You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 107. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. The Lord said this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Today's reading was read just a few days ago at liturgy on the Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee. And each year, when I hear this gospel reading from Luke, I'm immediately reminded that Great Lent is is coming very soon. So this gospel reading comes at a pivotal time, I think, in our liturgical calendar. And I'd have to assume that there's a very specific reason for this. But before we get to that, Father, would you begin by discussing this parable and its significance? Yeah, and I really believe that this reading, this parable, is perhaps one of the most straightforward parables and teachings in all the Bible. What I mean by that is the message is brief, poignant, and perfectly clear. So I think the only thing that we can do as preachers and teachers is to make sure that our audience understands what each character represents from a historical perspective so that this parable is then so easy to understand and sort of speaks for itself. Yes, yes. So, so to that point, I know that you've mentioned this before on our podcast, but for those who might not remember or who haven't heard one of those previous episodes, would you tell us a little bit about a Pharisee, uh, who they were, and, and what did they represent? Yeah, and to me it's really interesting because if you were to read only the New Testament and not understand any of its backdrop or the historical role and understanding of a Pharisee, you would be inclined to see them as really bad people. And the reason is that Jesus has so many showdowns with the Pharisees, and obviously from the perspective of the New Testament, Jesus is always the winner of these arguments, and he exposes the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Yes, yeah, I think, of course, you're, you're absolutely right. I think from my own experience as a Christian, I've seen the Pharisees in, in a bad light. But I remember that you've explained before that the Pharisees were actually a really highly respected group in their time. Yeah, absolutely. They were highly respected. Part of that is because they were so dedicated to living by the book. They really wanted to follow the Mosaic law as closely as possible. And unlike the Sadducees, who were actually a wealthy group and part of the ruling class, the Pharisees were more commoners, more what we might call today middle class. So they didn't have that sense of resentment against them that many people have towards those who are wealthy or who are elites. So in general, they were quite highly respected. So then what is it that causes Jesus to have so many issues with the Pharisees? Uh, As you said, they seem like a respectable group. Uh, And you mentioned many other times they were known as being highly moral people. So why does Jesus have so many issues with them? Yeah, I think there are two primary reasons, and we see them in today's parable. What are those, Father? So although they're highly moral people, as you noted, 
And as you can see in today's parable, they tithed, they fasted, they didn't commit any what we might call major sins. So nevertheless, the two strikes against them were, number one, they were self-righteous, meaning that they viewed themselves as being righteous. And then related to that, secondly, and probably because of that, they did not show mercy and compassion to others. And you see that in today's parable because the Pharisee is clearly looking down on and judging this tax collector. So before we get too far down that road, I'd like to take a a little detour and get back to the publican, the tax collector, and understand him and his role from a historical perspective. And then maybe we can tie that back together with what you said about the Pharisee and the implications of this parable. So what is the significance of the publican being used in this story, and and how was he viewed historically? Well, first of all, just to be clear for all of our listeners, a publican and a tax collector are the same things, so we use these uh, terms synonymously. I just want to be clear on that. But the primary issue with the tax collector is likely not what we think. You know, as we draw near to April 15th, we all know we don't like to have to pay taxes. So there is, of course, that natural component that most of us would prefer to not have to pay taxes, and we just aren't going to like someone who collects taxes. But from a historical perspective, there are two other things to note. So first of all, tax collectors were known for lying and cheating and stealing from people. Think back to the ancient Roman Empire of Jesus' time. If you live in Palestine, you're a long way removed geographically from a transportation perspective from Rome. You didn't have the postal service or UPS or FedEx, let alone electronic transfers that we have now that we can make from our bank accounts to the IRS. And so that was the purpose of a tax collector. They would come to collect your tax and take it to Rome. But as you can imagine, it was rather easy for the tax collector to tell you that you owed more than you really owed. And how are you going to appeal that? The tax collector can try to get you in trouble, get you thrown in jail and so forth, all to collect a little extra from you that he himself would keep. So just say you owe $100. He tells you, well, you need to give me 115 So uh, how are you going to fight that? Are you going to appeal to Rome over that money? You're going to go to jail? You know, you're not going to. You're going to begrudgingly pay the extra money so that he'll go away and leave you alone. And then the tax collector will pocket the $15 and give Rome the $100 that you owed. And that's how Zacchaeus, you remember from the story, we heard it a few weeks ago in the church, it's how Zacchaeus became rich. You skim a little off the top from everyone, and you can become quite wealthy. It's a very interesting, Father, and I've heard it from you before, of course, but it's just interesting to hear about some of these biblical figures from that historical perspective, as it really does make the stories more powerful. Like in this case, the fact that a tax collector would have been so despised for this reason, and yet Jesus uses that figure for this parable. Yeah, exactly. And, and on top of this, I want to point out there's another poignant reason that so many of Jesus' hearers would have despised a tax collector, most especially his Jewish audience. And why is that? Think about us today as Americans. A significant portion of our tax dollars goes to the military budget, and the same was true in ancient Rome. And this military budget is what allowed Rome to occupy territories that their army had defeated and to keep them subject to the Roman emperor. And such was the case in Jesus' time in Palestine. The Roman army was occupying Jerusalem, and as a Jewish person living there, the tax collector takes some of your money, gives it to Rome, who then uses your money to occupy you. So just another reason for Jesus' audience to have this bias, this hatred towards a tax collector. That's a very helpful perspective, Father. Thank you. So to end today, I'm hoping we can tie some of these loose ends together. And I think they're 
are really three things that are running through my mind that I'd like to understand how they all fit together. So first you have Jesus using the Pharisee here, someone who is highly respected, highly moral, as the bad guy, so to speak, in this parable. And then second, you have Jesus using the publican, someone who was despised, and usually for good reason, because they did some despicable things. But you have him as the good guy, the hero in this parable. And then finally, I'm sure as you tie together why this is the case, uh, you can explain the purpose of the church placing this reading specifically at this time, just before Great Lent begins. Yeah, as I said at the very beginning of this episode, I think once you understand these historic roles of, of these figures that Jesus uses the parable, it's pretty straightforward and easy to understand, even if we don't really like the conclusion deep down, and even if we don't always think and live our lives as though the parable is true, but I think the conclusion is pretty much unmistakable. And what is that conclusion? That unlike most religious people, both of Jesus' time and our own time, Jesus is not primarily interested in our morality. What Jesus prefers is that we're merciful and compassionate to others, that we do not view ourselves as being better than or superior to others or righteous in our own sight because we're moral people. And as we see with Paul, most especially in his epistles to the Romans and the Galatians, that doesn't mean that Jesus gives a license to go out and to behave in immoral ways. You know, not at all. In fact, he tells us elsewhere, Jesus does, to practice the morality of the Pharisees, but without that self-righteousness and that condescending attitude. So again, the conclusion is that Jesus has no interest in us practicing morality for morality's sake. His very clear preference here and throughout the Bible is for us to show mercy and compassion on others. And as we'll hear in future readings in the church as we prepare for Great Lent, if we do show that mercy and compassion towards others, then Christ himself will also show that same mercy and compassion to us on the great day of judgment. And then finally, as to the reason you had asked about the church placing this reading here, as we begin our preparations for Great Lent, it's a very clear reminder that our fasting and the extra prayers and all of that stuff we do during Great Lent is absolutely worthless, even, I would say, harmful for us if it is not accompanied by, perhaps I should even say, preceded by being merciful and compassionate towards others, looking to uplift them and not to condemn or look down on them. If we have any inkling to view ourselves as righteous because of our fasting and our spiritual practices during Great Lent, then we are practicing these things incorrectly, and we place ourselves under the most severe judgment of our Lord. Thank you, Father. Today we discuss the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. Father Aaron began by reminding us of how publicans and Pharisees were viewed from a historical perspective. While Christians might be tempted to view the Pharisees in a negative light, they were actually very highly respected by the Jewish community and were moral people. The publicans, or tax collectors on the other hand, were despised as they were known to lie, cheat, and steal. And so we might expect a different outcome or ending to this story with this perspective in mind. The good guys and bad guys should seem obvious to us, but the conclusion of this parable is contrary and quite clear. Jesus is not primarily interested in our morality, but rather our mercy and compassion we show to others. This is not to say that Jesus gives us license to be immoral, but that we should not allow ourselves to become self-righteous in practicing morality. And this parable is placed at this time of preparation for Great Lent 
to remind us that our fasting, prayers, and church attendance are worthless if they are not accompanied by our outpouring of mercy and compassion. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.